0: And hello, watch fans, and welcome to episode 65 of Fratello On Air, otherwise known as Wasp 9.5. Today, we have a real treat for you. We'll be returning to the Smooth Booth shortly, but we're going to kick off the show with a live interview. That's right, for the first time on Wasp, we are joined by a real-life sporting sensation. And no, it's not Balazs in Disguise. Say hello instead to Primoz Roglic. He's a two-time Grand Tour champion, the world's top-ranked road cyclist, an Olympic hopeful and, would you believe, a former ski jumper. So, without further ado, let's welcome him to the show. Primoz, how you doing, buddy?
1: Thank you uh, for a uh, nice entry. Uh, hi to all.
0: It is absolutely our pleasure to have you here. As I mentioned in the introduction, your career began in ski jumping, but how did that switch come about? How did you move over to the bike, and what motivated the change?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a story I already described a lot of times, and they all know it. And uh, maybe now it seems really fast and easy, but uh, for sure it wasn't. Uh, it was really a lot of uh, yeah, sacrifices, a lot of effort uh, that I put in that uh, that made happen. But uh, yeah, uh, the end uh, was not. Uh, as good as I wished to be with uh, being as a ski jumper. So, uh, yes, I decided I changed the sport. And uh, uh, now with the cycling, uh, yes, I really found uh, something that I'm super good with.
0: Yes, I would say so. After making the switch, of course, you have risen to the top of the UCI World Rankings and currently are regarded as the greatest road cyclist on planet Earth. So I would say that it's worked out rather well for you. But tell me this, before you made the switch, did you have any heroes in the world of cycling? Or is that something that maybe came later?
1: Uh, it was more something that came later, for sure, because I didn't uh, really follow much uh, of cycling. Uh, I was just more into winter sport, uh, especially ski jumping. And uh, yes, uh, then later on, uh, I, I figured out that uh, maybe yeah, my body, my head and everything, uh, it, it should suit me, uh, in that case, uh, cycling uh, a lot more than uh, being a ski jumper.
0: Have you ever been back and watched the old Grand Tours and found a rider from those days that you identify with now?
1: I didn't really do uh, uh I was more than, uh, yeah, uh, always living in the moment uh, and, uh, yes, uh, always uh, uh, trying to learn uh, with the guys that, uh, that I was in touch with. Uh, so being as a, as a rider, then immediately in Adria and then with... Uh, uh, our guys you obviously and uh, all the all the best guys around riding uh riding around the, the peloton
0: well i guess living in the moment and staying focused on the matter at hand is why you've managed to win two vueltas so far but we're not here to talk about that we're actually talking because you're a tissot ambassador so what i'm interested to know is are you actually a fan of watches away from the bike
1: Yes, uh, for for us is uh, just uh, uh, for me is a pleasure to to work with ISO. Uh, they are uh, official uh, timekeeper of uh, all the big grand tours, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, we have uh, some uh, same values uh, that uh, we fight for, and uh, hopefully together we can uh, inspire and uh, share some good moments with uh, with the rest of the world.
0: So, which watch do you wear most often?
1: Yeah, at the moment. Uh, yeah, if you can see it, I think I have a Super Sport uh, nice. watch. And uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with it.
0: Nice choice, nice choice. But here's another question for you. If you could wear any watch in the entire world, and it doesn't have to be a Tissot, although I'm guessing it might be, what would it be and why? <laughs>
1: uh, like I said, uh, for me, this one works good. And uh, with the watch, is always like that. Uh, as, as long as it uh, does... Uh, it's uh, work. So showing the time correctly, uh, I'm uh, I'm happy with it.
0: (laughs) I see, I see. A man of pure function. But I guess that makes sense. I mean, a watch to you is a tool, right? So you need it to work in the same way that you need your bike to work. But enough about watches for now. Let's talk about the upcoming races. I guess you'll be returning to the Tour de France this year. Tell me, is this your year?
1: That we will see uh, at the end of the Tour uh, who will be the best (laughs) and who will win the race. But uh, for sure, we... We will go there, we will do our best. That's, uh, yeah, that's the aim.
0: Well, good luck. I'll be watching with interest and fingers crossed it goes well for you. But tell me this, are you planning on returning to the Vuelta this year and going for three wins in a row? Or are you just going to wait and see how it goes with the Tour de France first and then make your decision?
1: We will just uh, steer. Huh? Like we uh, you know, see with these times, uh, nothing is really certain. Uh, and uh, it's changing all the time. Normally, yes, I'm not doing. So... Uh, yeah, I'm doing a tour and then Olympics and, uh, yeah, it would be a little uh, too much, uh, for me to go also for the Vuelta. But, uh, yeah, first things first, uh, first with the tour and, uh, yeah, uh, they also say you never say never, uh, we see, uh, how, how then, uh, follows the rest of the season
0: yeah i would imagine that the tour de france is enough for someone to focus on but listen right now you are the number one ranked road cyclist in the world and you seem to be in incredible shape do you think that maybe coming to the bike a little bit later than many of your peers is going to help with your longevity in the sport and does it help now
1: yes it definitely has uh, its advantages and disadvantages and uh, yeah for sure i'm I'm not a young guy but looking from uh, being as a cyclist uh, for sure i am a young And uh, yes, uh, from that point of view, uh, yeah, I'm also still, uh, let's say, uh, gaining uh, quite a lot then uh, year after year uh, passing by.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you're going to be able to put those fresher legs to good use in the remainder of your career. And I personally believe that you'll be able to win all three Grand Tours if you do so desire. But is that something you've actually set your sights on or do you just take things one race at a time?
1: Yeah, it's true. Huh? Uh, I don't want to think uh, then in that case uh, too big uh, or uh, to dream uh, too big. But uh, yes, uh, just focusing on the on the first goals, first things first. And uh, yeah, uh, we now uh, first getting myself as, in as good shape as possible entering the Tour. And uh, yeah, then uh, we do our job as good as possible. And uh, yeah cycling is a lot a lot of races and motifs and goals that uh, you can uh, go and fight uh,
0: for and all of those goals and underlying motivations go into shaping the characters that make up the peloton you know when i was a kid i grew up dreaming of riding the tour de france one day because i was enthralled by the characters of the men attempting what i saw as the greatest race on earth my hero is uh, richard Veronc and my brothers was mario cipollini probably because of his hairstyle and by the looks of things still because of his hairstyle and my dad's favorite was marco pantani Maybe also hairstyle related, but there seemed to be a lot of flavor in that era. Do you think that the Peloton is still as interesting as it was in the past, or do you think the extreme professionalism and massive demands placed on riders like you have had a detrimental effect to them being able to express themselves in the same way?
1: Oof. Uh, everything for sure has its own limits, huh? and uh, yes, yeah, also so we are pushing uh, all the time all the things to, to, to the limits. Uh, but, uh, at the end, uh, it's still important that, uh, yes, you, uh, you enjoy it, uh, uh, as you enjoy your life, you have to enjoy the racing. You, yeah, you have to enjoy somehow the suffering and everything. And I think that's also something that, yeah, that the people can see. And, uh, that's also something attractive that, uh, uh, being as you as a young kid attracts you. And, uh, hopefully, uh, we can also, uh, yeah just inspire as much people as possible uh, to just fight in their life for, for the things that uh, they wish for uh, and then doesn't really matter uh, or which kind, which kind of aspects
0: yeah i couldn't agree with you more i mean cycling pushes the body and mind to the absolute limit and i don't think there's any other sport like it which is why i've always found it so engaging You see people right on the very limit of their abilities and exactly what they can stand. And you're right. Those kind of lessons you learn from people on the bike can translate to other areas of life also. So last question for you. Kind of in that vein, what's the hardest thing about being a professional athlete?
1: (laughs) It's nothing hard uh, as long as you like. (laughs) it.
0: What an answer. Wow, that's relevant to all walks of life. (laughs) Really? All right. I love it. It's Perfect. Okay, Primoz, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us at FratelloWatches.com. It was a real pleasure. Good luck for the rest of the season. Good luck for the Olympics. I'm sure you'll do fantastically well and we'll catch up with you later in the year.
1: Thank you uh, for all the nice words and wishes and uh, yeah, hopefully talk uh, to you soon.
0: Well, how about that, Watch fans? What a treat for the ears. I hope that was. That was Primoz Roglic, the number one ranked road cyclist in the world. We're very happy to have him on Wasp and we hope that we get to speak to him again after he's competed once more in the Tour de France and the Olympics and who knows, maybe the Vuelta de España. We will find out by the end of the year when all is said and done. But good luck to Primoz, friend of the show and a great guy. Did you enjoy that, Balazs? Fully, entirely. He's a nice guy. It was, uh, it was good fun. Yeah, I'm really hoping we get to talk to him again. Um, I know he signed off saying, hope to speak to you soon, which is just a nice thing for people to say to one another, but I hope he meant it because yeah. could you imagine if we were able to get some uh, tickets to go and see him at the closing stage of the Tour de France one day, that would be a real boon for Wasp yeah, would be and nice. for Fratello and for us personally. Talking of us, what are you doing mm. right now while we're recording this on Wednesday?
2: I'm recording the podcast and I'm not paying attention to your screen i'm paying attention to the small screen um on which i'm watching hungary against portugal or portugal against hungary but since it's in budapest i guess it's hungary against portugal right
0: yeah and i guess it's also with a a home team i guess it's also tuesday right not wednesday Uh, am i right is it tuesday tuesday yeah
2: It's, it's speedy tuesday
0: it's Speedy Tuesday. Okay, I should know that because despite being in quarantine for the last few days, I have been reading Fratello and working on it in the back end. So yeah, my bad. Definitely, definitely not Wednesday. So you'll be listening to this, dear listeners, on Sunday, but we're recording on Tuesday while Balazs' home team is taking on the defending champions in Euro 2021, I guess. Are we 2020, it? Are 2020, we... but in 2021, yeah. And how's it going? We're halfway through the first half, are we? Or a little bit closer towards halftime? Yeah.
2: 37 minutes. Ruben Diaz just received a yellow card for kicking, uh, uh one of the most Hungarian Hungarian player ever, clan uh, Heisler. That's his name. <laughs> <laughs> Klann Heisler.
0: Nice. Klann Heisler.
2: He's a uh, yeah. He's one of those important. No, he's actually Hungarian, probably Svebisch or whatever uh, heritage. So yeah, that's the first yellow card. Uh, ball possession is not even. I should say that. It's about um, 75% Portugal, 25% Hungary, but good grief! it's only 28 minutes past. So we still have uh, another seven, eight, 10, depending on this, this uh, half. And then of course, the second half. So, but I will close it because I cannot pay attention to you. And um, as much as I would love to see what's going on, we have a job to do. And that is to record a podcast.
0: We are going to record a podcast. We are recording a podcast, and I feel very bad dragging you away from uh, your home team's first no, game
1: uh, okay.
0: of this tournament. Uh, obviously, England played the other day, and I guess everybody will know by the time this podcast airs, they beat Croatia 1-0 in a game they really did dominate and looked, looked the far better side throughout. So that was uh, mm-hmm. fun to see. Shame it didn't work out for the Scots. Did you see that wonder goal from uh, from the Czech Republic? Yeah, yeah. The, that was crazy. It was that, wasn't insane. It? I that mean, was insane. That was insane. When it first happened, like he ran onto it like it was nothing and just cracked yeah. it. And you thought, of but, course this is going in. It's an easy shot, but the more you look at it, the more amazing it becomes. But yeah, but w- what was going on with the goalkeeper?
2: Well like, he was <laughs> way ahead. He was like almost I mean, he wasn't at the half of the
0: but he was like way away from, from the goal. It is an interesting question because in the post-match analysis, his teammates all defended his position as if it was an obvious thing that the keeper should be so far out of his area. But I really couldn't see what kind of scenario they were foreseeing for that to be necessary. That did look like he was a long way out. It looked like he was just sort of watching the play. And it was Hendry that took the shot, the rather ambitious shot, which I felt he was at liberty to take because he'd had a pretty good half up to that point and he'd come close. I think he'd just hit the bar quite um yeah quite soon before that he yeah but he couldn't
2: get back on time you could see him running looking at the ball running back and he just couldn't get back in time it I was had no crazy. he had no
0: chance he no chance i mean it was no. it was a one in a million shot as uh i think was it uh robertson said afterwards um one in a million uh strike and at the time like i say it looked like a relatively straightforward lob i mean i couldn't i couldn't kick a ball that far I don't think let alone on target but when you see the bend on it that he puts out and how it dips so perfectly just before it gets uh under the bar it's just a remarkable shot and I watched back maybe the top 10 goals of European football history um well the European championships football history today mm-hmm. and this one is already in conversation as the greatest of all time. I think there's a few more iconic ones and a few more meaningful ones. I mean, Gaza's mm-hmm. goal for Scotland is the one I voted for, but I think uh, Van Basten's amazing volley in the 88 final is, is leading the charge. But do you have any particularly memorable goals from the Hungarian team?
2: <laughs> no, because they have not <laughs> <laughs> been in the European Championship last 30 years. Um, it's before, it was way before my time, I think when they were, I mean, obviously Hungarian football was great in the fifties and sixties and, 17s and then the decline started um, in the 80s, and, or probably around the 90s, rather. The 80s was okay. Um, and they haven't been out since, I don't know, so many years until 2016, which they, they did quite good. And we were in the same group as as the Portuguese team. And they actually advanced without winning a game. Remember that? Yeah. That was like, a, they, drew three, they had like, right? I think two, two, yeah, they got like two draws and like one, one losses or something. Or I can't, can't remember, but, or, or, yeah, something like that, or without without scoring a goal, something crazy. But but they were lucky, and they advanced from that that group. Um. But yeah, this is the second time, and um, of course it's in Hungary, and uh, there's a new stadium, the Pushkash Stadium. They that was an old one, they demolished it, and they built this sixty thousand uh, seat stadium. It's insane. My friend works there. Wow. He, he works in at the stadium. He's a um. Cause, 'Cause the stadium is like a, it's like an event location, right? You can yeah. rent it basically. And so it it works just like any events hall or whatever. Obviously it's much bigger. So he, he told me when I was in home at home in, in May that they're already Actually, the the guys from FIFA or UEFA were already there since last year, trying to prepare everything, and they've been living in Budapest and organizing the stuff. And obviously, when COVID came, they had to move everything. So there's like an international team of I don't know how many, how many people staying in every stadium in every city, um, trying to get things going. And he's working on the Hungarian side as in the employed by the stadium. So.
0: That's fascinating, Definitely. and it's uh, yeah. it sounds like an absolutely wonderful venue. And I'm sure that in future yeah. we'll have all kinds of sports there, and uh, maybe some open air hockey at one point as well. That would be pretty cool, and um, music uh, concerts as well. I mean, these yeah, kind of things—they're set up yeah. to host any anything, aren't they? But what a logistical undertaking it must have been to get this European Championships underway. I mean, yeah. having it spread across Europe—I love this. Actually, yeah. I, I always adored the host nation. Uh, aspect to a tournament because you know you, you can always remember like oh the Germans putting on a great show in 2006 mm-hmm. and the Italians in 1990 and you know and it, you had these memories these cultural memories I, I was really loath to um to sacrifice for this multi-host approach but I have to say that it's it's a really cool idea and it makes accessing the tournament a lot easier if you're well wherever you are in Europe yeah. because somewhere is close to you
2: right 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 and there's like what
0: is that 13 14 cities? It's quite a lot, right? Yeah, it's loads. It's loads. So I mean on the one hand you've got it, it it's more complicated because you've got more cultures and more airports at play and you know different sure. like people's interacting with one another across borders but at the same time you do have like very uh, manageable amounts of crowds travelling to certain places. You you don't have a country or cities overtaken by fans in the same way that you you would have done in a normal tournament so great experiment and i actually think it might be hard to go back from this i know they did it as like a sort of test run but yeah it was pretty good to me i mean it's a yeah it's a pretty memorable um
2: tournament right because it's in 2021 first of all instead of 2020 um because of what you said this uh multinational uh, organization because of what happened unfortunately it was in the danish uh danish uh, game um with um um Chris, help me christine Ericsson. Ericsson, yeah and i just saw this morning that he's uh he sent a picture from uh from the hospital that he's okay so um yeah it's it's been a crazy um good and bad memorable um experience so far
0: so yeah that's a, that's a tough one to watch i mean um, i the danes were my sort of second team in the tournament i'd even gone as far as to buy myself the new danish football shirt that i've been waiting to be announced for for months for months and months and months it was one of the last to actually debut and i picked it up and i was wearing it and i was watching the game and i was really excited and i was like here come the danes because you know my name is of danish origin that's why i, I gravitate mm. towards the danes like so uh, i was like "Oh, here we go here we go it's gonna be a great tournament maybe they'll get out of the group this will be exciting and then the best player on the pitch has a heart attack or at least a, a you know a cardiac yeah. moment yeah. Of, of some description yeah. and uh, wow um yeah all of the thoughts of the game and whatnot go out of the window. I actually can't believe that they restarted it and played it. I'm not against the decision i'm just in I'm just in disbelief,
2: yeah and you can imagine both teams like right like how they must have felt i mean it doesn't matter if you're in the Danish team or in the in the opponent team right after this you're you are hyped your you know your adrenaline is through the roof, and then this is going on, and then you don't know what's going on and then you have to like relax a bit, but then you have to keep your muscles still warm and then okay, shall we play, shall we not play? Are we playing? Are we not playing? Playing, not playing. And then in the end, yes, playing. I mean, it must have been crazy for, for everybody.
0: I think it's really hard for a non pro athlete to get inside the head of somebody that does this at such a high level as their daily bread. Um and, yeah. you know, figure out what it what it must be like, what they must have been going through and um to perform yeah when we say like in professional sport the difference is inches or steps or you know the which part of your boot makes contact with which part of the ball when the wind's blowing in a certain direction you know it's 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 blades of grass it's these like minor little differences and i know um i know the finnish team they're human and i think they conducted themselves fantastically in uh in the spirit of the game as well, and very respectful of the Danish uh, colleagues in this case, I suppose they would see them as. But for some of the Danes, you know, some of the guys that are really close to Ericsson, I know Kasper Schmeichel was struggling quite a bit. And could you say he would have saved that goal that ultimately decided the match had he he been fully focused? We'll never know, will we? I mean, it was a decent goal, but... It was straight yeah. at him and uh, he's one of the best keepers uh, in the world at the at the moment, I think. Schmeichel, I certainly mm. rate him. And uh, sad times because, yeah, Denmark obviously would have wanted to go out there and win it for Ericsson, but their mountain was so much higher to climb than the Finns. It just had to play their part and, you know, they snuck the goal that they needed. They're um, not likely, I guess, to score many more in this tournament. They are outsiders. It's really put the Danish hopes of qualification in, in a bad place. Mm. So... We'll see but I I think mean, one thing's for sure Ericsson's not coming back uh, to this tournament will he ever come back to a pitch what do you think will he play again
2: probably not that's what i read i mean yeah. uh, if you have such a you know if you have such a moment that's that's probably a sign uh, we had uh, a couple of players, hungarian players dying of of on on the field and off the field um, the most famous is probably uh miklos feher who was playing for uh, i think benfica uh in Portugal, actually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he died during the game, um, 28 years old, cardiac arrest. And then Agreed. there was another player who died, uh, I think he was playing in Cyprus, and he died um, after a training. And actually, Pardardai's brother, who's the coach of uh, Hertha in Berlin, Hertha BSC, his younger brother, who's had the same name as I am, Balash, he died. He was like a second league or a third league player. He died while playing uh, football cardiac wow.
0: arrest i mean i don't want to i don't want to sensationalize this at all but it's, it sounds like much more common than we realize that these things happen i mean we we all remember in england fabrice muamba uh who was yeah. i believe they say dead for 78 minutes um on on the pitch while they resuscitated him and uh, he never played again of course and um my feeling instantly when Eriksson collapsed was well hope to God he he survives but that's his career that's it it's in the books at 29 years old however there is one player that is rather famous that plays with I I guess some kind of pacemaker in him that's Daley Blint former United player uh, former Ajax player Mm -hmm. um, Dutch national player I believe he has a similar condition and he carried on playing but he's had some incidents since he's had this thing fitted also where he's collapsed it just seems madness that he would keep going back on the pitch but there you go
2: well, do you remember? Uh, I think Alonzo Mourning. Of course, he's a basketball player, but he, you know he was he was playing. Hmm? Was he a Hornets player? Hornets center. Uh, Alonzo Mourning was Miami Heat. He was a very physical player, right? He was a, he was a big man, and um, he had some kidney issues. I think one of his kidneys were removed. Wow. And. I think it was something like that. Um, he gave a kidney to his brother or a brother gave a kidney to him or, or I, I, I'm not sure entirely what it was, but okay, a kidney is not, not a heart condition, but still, you know, coming back and playing professional football, basketball, soccer, whatever, after such a, a crazy injury or, or, or just a condition like that, it, it must have been, must have been um, you know, one in a million that can do that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty rare, isn't it? I mean, these are exceptional athletes to begin with, but I wonder if like the stresses they put their bodies on as they're going through these training programs and uh, different levels of football in their youth have anything to do with it. I mean, we're only learning, we're learning now, aren't we, about the long-term effects of professional sport and, you know, the trauma to the head from heading the ball and of course in American football and the serious problems caused by repeated contact Um, I think we're going to uncover a lot of quite scary things about pro sport in the next few decades. And uh, let's hope that there's a way to continue um, with this high-level competition without people dropping dead all the time. Because that's not pleasant to watch. Yeah. Kidney
2: transplant. I just
0: Googled it. Uh, He had a kidney transplant. It's pretty intense. uh, Yeah, he's
2: in 2003. And actually, he came back and won a championship in 2006 for Miami after the, the transplant
0: well that's pretty it's impressive crazy. i reckon that's a short list of athletes that have managed to do that
2: yeah the list is probably not too long and you were right he played he started in charlotte hornets and then miami heat new jersey nets and then miami heat again the last three years and that's when he won the championship in 2006 with like uh you know shaq remember that the first miami uh championship gary payton yeah, uh Mourning, yeah, yeah. morning shaq O'Neal, D- uh, dwayne wade etc so that
0: was I mean, a good team that was a really good that team. was a good
2: team and yeah and he was he was post uh kidney transplant so crazy stuff but uh hey all the best ericsson we hope uh, we wish him a speedy recovery on a speedy tuesday no pun intended
0: oh that's perfect hopefully we can get him on the show to talk about well what he remembers about that um incident it's bizarre i guess that there's just a big black spot in his memory but luckily he has left us all with some very great memories of what has so far been a fantastic career and if he decides to shift it over to the commentary booth i'm sure he'll be welcomed with open arms he's a very popular figure in denmark and from the science mm. of things was a very popular figure in the dressing room of tottenham when he played in the premier league and uh yeah speedy recovery pun intended and uh yeah <laughs> we'll see him again soon i'm sure but since we touched on the nba via Mm -hmm. Alonso morning, Morning. Morning. Good morning. Uh, We should stick with the basketball and have a look at these playoffs because that's one of the two leagues that we want to touch on today. Just very quickly to round off what was an exciting start to the show. uh, Welcoming Primoz Roglic to Watching Sports and Sporting Watchers. Tissot ambassador, friend of the brand, great guy. But now to the other Tissot sponsored.
2: I, I, I was about to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a segue. Go on, you take it away. You're the basketball (laughs) pro here. Amazing.
2: Um, Well, it's Tuesday, as you said, and this will not be out until Sunday, and a lot will happen until Sunday, obviously. you got five more days or four more days to go. Um, But um, it's very interesting, right? Because we have four pairs. Well, actually, three left, because the Phoenix Suns took a broom. (laughs) and swept out the Denver Nuggets, including the MVP Nikola Jokic. So, um, yeah, that's a 4 0 loss to the to the uh, the Denver Nuggets or Jokic as a Jokic as um, Charles Barkley says he's never able to pronounce anybody's name correctly. So, yeah, Phoenix is in the uh, Western Conference Finals, but who's going to be the the opponent, Robert? We have the Utah Jazz and the Clippers. Series tied at 2-2. Two,
0: two. Well, uh, this is an interesting one. The oh God, the Suns made light work of the Nuggets, didn't they? They didn't look like they are in any kind of trouble. And, um, I mean, we, we yeah. saw them go in to this stage. We really did. And we had them aligned, likely to meet the Jazz there. I think your mm-hmm. outside bet was the uh, Mavericks, who fell to the Clippers yeah. early on, but in a closer game. Um, but only on a seventh game, yeah. Right. So that was pretty tight. It didn't work out the way we kind of wanted it to. But now we have LA knotted up at 2-2 with the Jazz, right? As of as of yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Serge is tight. And the game is tomorrow on Wednesday.
2: So probably then the, if there's a next game, well, there will be a next game, which will be then on Friday, I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah, so
2: look. Probably by Sunday we will know, possibly, or we could know if it's going to be a, a 4-2 for the Clippers or the Jazz, unless it's going to be a seven-game seven, seven game series because then it might go on until next year. Uh,
0: next week, sorry. It feels like it might go on to next year sometimes with these seven-game series when they stretch on. I was certainly feeling that in the hockey, but we'll get to that in a moment. But right. wow, um, right. I, I still find it so hard to pick against the Jazz winning this matchup at least. I just think oh, that yeah? at this stage of the season, I think the quality comes to the top and... Yeah, the Clippers. The Clippers are looking a little bit tricky for them, maybe. But I just, I think that the Jazz will get through. But it wouldn't surprise me if it does go all the way. So I'd say Jazz in seven for me to make it. But then, then they're going to come up against it. But what do you think about this uh, Jazz Clippers matchup?
2: I'd love to say Clippers in six. Oh wow, Clippers in six. But you're probably right. Uh, but I have to say, um, none of my, uh, none of the teams are you know my favorites i, I like the sons i like what they do i like chris paul because i think chris paul is a bit of a uh kind of an underrated player i mean he's a very good player and i wasn't underrated right i just say he's an unlucky player because he's always been a good player obviously when he played in the clippers earlier in his career but he just never managed to get to to this high level um so i'm really i'm really rooting for for phoenix because of chris paul and Devin Booker seems like a very, uh, very nice guy, very uh, lovely uh, guy. I see his, his interviews. He's, um, he's He seems like a super nice dude. So I would say, I would love to say Clippers and Suns on the West. Yeah. And then in the East, and then let's not talk about the finals because we have another uh, Wasp for that next week. Um, and then on the East, we have two. So both series are tied there as well. So as I said, we have three series and all of them tied to 2-2. Philadelphia seventy sixers against the Atlanta Hawks, two two, and the Milwaukee
0: Bucks against Brooklyn Nets, two two. Well, now this is far more interesting to me because I, I know that the maybe the popular opinion is that the winner of the league is going to come from the West. I've I've said it's going to come from the East for a long time. Yeah, uh, I, I think so too. I, I just think East. that the I think that the Nets and the Bucks. And heaven forbid, you know, the 76ers were were actually top of the regular season. They they pipped the Nets to that first seed by one game with we a 49-23 record. I, I think that those two teams that are now knotted up at 2-2, the Nets and the Bucs, they're both like mega, mega teams. And the Bucs are overdue a championship. The Nets, you know, they've got the superstar lineup when it's all healthy, mm-hmm. which it isn't at the moment. So that's a wrinkle to that game that we have to be aware of. But um, they're the presumptive favorites, but... You know, oftentimes when these teams rise up, it takes them a year or two to bet in to win the championship that they, they feel like they should deserve in their first season. And the Bucs have been there and thereabouts for a while now. So I am actually thinking in the East, we might see a couple of upsets here. And um,
2: So what are you saying? The Bucs and Nets?
0: You know what? Oh, Bucs in seven? I've been saying the Nets all the way through, right? I've yeah, been saying I, the I'm Nets, saying Nets are going Yeah. Um, I don't know anymore. Um, I, but know Kyrie's what Kyrie's injured? I know, or might be injured. I know. Is is an ankle issue or something? Yeah. He he he. Basically, he landed
2: on. I mean, well, have you seen the the actual? Um. Yeah, I saw. I incident? saw the play. Yeah, yeah. Is it? They say it was kind of a sneaky move from Giannis because he put his right foot under, um, Kyrie, Oof. and he landed on his foot, and obviously his. I mean, Kyrie's foot went 90% uh, – 90 degree, uh, I think, inwards, outwards, I can't remember. So it, it looked bad. Um, James Harden is out for the time being. He's injured. So out of the big trio, we
0: only have Kevin Durant. For that reason, I'm actually going to go box in six. I think they're going to win the next two years. Well, let's just see what happens. You know, we can talk about this next week. Um, but these Boxing injuries in – Boxing six. I'm going boxing. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think they're going to lose another game. Um, oh yeah. Well, they're going back to Brooklyn
2: now. You're, you know that, right?
0: I don't think that makes much of a difference at this point in the season. I mean, I know everyone like crows about home field advantage and whatnot, and maybe it does in a game seven if it gets that far. Um, I don't maybe, think yeah. it will. And you know, this team we've talked about, like we've talked about the egos, and we've talked about the superstars all being healthy and on on the boards at the same time, but. Mm -hmm. This is not going to happen. They are going to limp if they get there to the finals. And hopefully if they do manage to get past the Bucs, they'll be fitter to take on either the Suns or the um, whoever it is, Clippers or Jazz Mm -hmm. in the finals. But yeah, I think that they're in real trouble now. I really do. Um, The only thing that might go in their favor at this point, because I think they need their stars on, uh, on the court, is that in the absence of one or two, will one of those other egos, Garnett, for example, step up? And uh, sorry, Durant. <laughs> what year am I in? Nice, um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in Boston in 2008. <laughs> oh, Jesus, uh, yeah. So
2: well, he played in, in in the Nets as well. I was, I was watching a lot of net,
0: like uh, highlights the other day, and I just I've got all these old names in my head. I'm going to start dropping Iverson for the 76ers before you know it. That's actually about to come out of me. Um, but I wish he still played for them. Then then they might be my favourites for this for this. Uh, oh, yeah. Conference, oh, but yeah. um, yeah. I think um, Durant might might actually like step into the shoes that his teammates have been wearing and really just uh, boss it. But no, 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 no. I'm sticking with my new uh, jump ship prediction. I'm saying the Bucs are going to roll <laughs> <laughs> as bad as Kyrie rolled his ankle all the way uh, to, well, to the, finals. the next round. Well, yeah, I think I think whoever gets through this, I, I've not rated the 76ers in the playoffs at all, and I actually am picking the Hawks to win against them as well. I think it's going to be a double upset i'd love to see the Hawks, and uh, I just listened to a podcast an n b a
2: podcast, and they said we're either going to have a brand new champion um or we're going to have a champion uh, that has not been a champion since decades because I think the last time um out of all of these teams
0: like the boss champion the 70s or something.
2: <laughs> that was uh, i think it was sixers uh, oh, really it, I think it was seventy sixers were champions and Ooh, 82, eighty two, eighty three, something like eighty three, right? Right. So that's the last time out of these eight teams. And of course, the Bucks back in the day with uh, Kareem and sixties, uh, mid sixties. So God, was yeah, that Atlanta? Oh wow, 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 wow! I, I mean, I don't know exactly when the Bucks. Let me quickly check when the Bucks were champions. But uh, Philadelphia was in nineteen eighty three. They were they were a champion so that was the last time bucks were my friend 71 there's only one championship wow i yeah i
0: i had it in my head as later in the 70s I, I i thought it was uh like you know at the end of the 76 season or something but wow 71 that yeah, is i thought it's 60s time. but the 60s
2: was about lakers in boston right crazy crazy stuff yeah. so atlanta is new uh brooklyn is obviously brand new um the jazz clippers um, the clippers came from san diego remember when they moved the, the franchise from san diego to to los angeles in the 80s i think do you know what a clipper is
0: i don't know it's like a boat or something yeah right it's a boat so yeah. they they named them after because the, they had all these clipper boats yeah. in like the and the san diego bay right exactly yeah. and, and the lakers me. is a boat too well, I I don't know. I I believe the Lakers were called the Lakers because they came no. from Minnesota, and the yeah. Minnesota was full yeah. of lakes.
2: Yeah, but I I thought it's about the I, I for sure. But I thought uh, it that there are those boats that go on the lake, and that those are the Lakers. Oh, is that why? Is that why it's? Called? I think so. maybe I read somewhere it's about that. So then we have two teams in LA, both connected to a, a nautical
0: vehicle. What it annoys me when the teams like move and. Mm-hmm. Well, look. I'm not sure what annoys me more when they change the name entirely, or when they sort of modify the name, or they just stick with it and end up with this geographically nonsensical name. And okay, you can get a Clipper, I guess in in L.A. because there's a like a, like a, a Utah a Jazz,
2: <laughs> which is you do you can associate Utah with many things, but jazz is not one of
0: them. Okay, the Utah Jazz, the um Minas- Minneapolis or Minnesota Lakers, or whatever they were called before they became the L.A. Lakers, and then. Uh, well, we had the Hartford Whalers go down to Carolina, and at least they had the good sense to become the Hurricanes. But they denied us of the greatest jersey logo of all time in the NHL. That was an abomination. Uh, it's just it's bizarre when these teams move around and they drag these names with them, like the Brooklyn. Uh, sorry, the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah, the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know what right. a Dodger is? You know, you know where it comes from.
2: Well, I know it comes from Brooklyn, but I don't know what the actual, what the actual word, well, why it's probably connected to Brooklyn. The full some, name somehow.
0: was the Trolley Dodgers. So they used to jump out of the way of the trams that they call trolleys on the roads oh. of Brooklyn. And then they went down to that uh, down to LA. And at that time when they got there, there weren't any trolleys in LA. So they, they had these teams dodging absolutely nothing. Like, it's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and San Francisco Giants. Like, no, nothing's big in San Francisco except those hills rubbish well i mean
2: giants and you know like bears and that kind of stuff okay i i get that but but um you know i just heard that the and i'm not sure if if it's true that the washington bullets changed their names cuz i think they, they were they were the baltimore bullets right and before they were like chicago bullets and they moved to baltimore and then from baltimore to to washington they changed the name because of the the crime rate in washington was so high
0: yeah, well, it was off sure. the time. It is true, isn't it? They yeah, they yeah,
2: and then and then they changed it to something like less aggressive,
0: and then they became the Washington Wizards, which is just a bit lame because I've never seen a wizard in Washington, never. Well, there you go. Yeah, I don't like it.
2: Should you don't have lakes in uh, Washington... in Los Angeles, and you don't have wizards, <laughs> wizards in, Washington. in
0: Washington. Right? Crazy stuff. Mind you, I don't know if I've ever seen a bear in Chicago, and they've got bears and cubs all over the place. So. Well, it could be coming from the north, you know. Suppose he could be on his uh, on his weekend break down in central Chicago, tearing yeah. it up. Why not? Um, anyway, uh, where did we where do we get onto this from? At least the Philadelphia seventy sixers makes perfect sense. Do you rate their chances of the championship or not?
2: <sighs> mm. It's hard to tell. I think the the I think the Sixers is a better team than the Hawks, to be honest. But I would love to see that the Hawks get into the the Eastern Conference Finals with either the Bucs or the Nets. I'll, I'd love to see a Hawks-Nets Eastern Conference Final and a Suns-Clippers-Western Conference Final. And then I'll tell you my finals prediction next week.
0: I think that all those things could come to pass. I think it's finally balanced. I think it'll be interesting to see how good the Suns really are. And I agree with you that the 76ers are a better team than the Hawks. I mean, the regular season record that shows that you know over the long slog of the, of the of the whole season they came out on top however i do think the hawks are playing better basketball right now and so i think that your hope for a nets hawks eastern conference finals could well come to pass so talking of so, semi finals we are already at that stage in the nhl can you believe mm-hmm. it we have cantered through the first few rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we are now left with four teams. We have the Vegas Golden Knights, my team. That's right, yeah, my team, which you correctly yeah, you correctly team. mentioned in the last episode. Uh, by the way, I was very impressed that you got that right, but you didn't get my football team right. You were you assumed I was a Raiders fan, which is easy easy mistake to make because I always wear a Raiders t shirt and carry around my Raiders. Are you not? No, I'm a Cardinals fan. I do have a soft spot for the Raiders. That's absolutely uh, true. Well, I'm, a, I'm a big true, fan of like yeah. the 1970s badasses, the John Madden era, the Kenny Staples, yeah. you know, the Foo, and, and all even them, talked the about
2: the even talked about the Cardinals because uh, I told you when I lived in Flagstaff that they were right, they were right. training in Flagstaff, and ah, uh, uh, true, true. For some reason, I thought you're a Rams fan as well. Anyways, my bad. Nice oh, jersey oh. too.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Great jerseys. Okay. Uh, so, um. So the the Golden Knights are through, having dispatched the Colorado Avalanche, who were the favorites, quite heavily favorites with the bookmakers at the moment uh, going into that game. The Golden Knights are now the favorite team to win it all. Although I must say that this new system that we have this year because of COVID, the four divisions, which are kept completely uh, separate from one another until this point, um mm-hmm. means that it's a bit of a cloak of darkness thrown over the whole predictions we have no idea how good these teams really are you know we know how good they are against the op- opposition they've played endless times throughout the season but these guys have never faced each other before and people are drawing these conclusions going ah the canadians middle line is going to destroy the golden knights are so big and so strong and i'm like the canadians the fourth seed in the what do you call it scotia north division the canadian division beat up on the Maple Leafs, you don't want to you jets. don't want to
2: see our was it you you don't want to see our electricity bill?
0: No, no, usual? no, they, no, because that was uh, that that's, was the, that's a Las Vegas coming that's, from that's no? the Vegas that's the Vegas decision. Yeah. yeah, all the teams in the desert and then yeah, crazy yeah. crazy climates. But no, we just don't know. So it's a real it's a real crapshoot at this stage. We've got Vegas against the Montreal Canadiens, who like I said, came from the fourth seed to uh, get rid of the top ranked Maple Leafs, and then they swept the Winnipeg Jets in the next round. Which was unbelievable, actually, I really did not see that coming. I have to say I did not see that coming at all with a name
2: like Winnipeg Jets.
0: what were you thinking <laughs> Honestly, I got a soft the spot Winnipeg for the jets just, so
2: because Winnipeg is known for its jets, right it's they call oh. it the city of jets,
0: yeah, if you say so, I mean it's definitely near I don't an know why they call air base. Jets. <laughs> it's definitely near an airbase, whatever but <laughs> um on the other side we have we have the defending champs the Tampa Bay lightning that no one's making a huge deal about at the moment. And I hate the Tampa Bay lightning and I'm really scared yeah. of them. I'm really scared, but they're playing the New York Islanders who have taken a one game lead in Eight. this series so far. And, uh, I hope the Islanders make it, but what's your prediction for both of these, both of these matchups?
2: I'm not a Tampa Bay fan either. I love to see, uh, the Stanley cup going to New York. um, when it would not go to the Rangers, obviously, but then yeah, let's go to the Islanders, right? So I love to see them triumph over the Tampa Bay Lightning, the the Islanders, and the East. Um, you need a uh, an exact number?
0: Uh yeah. I mean, give me what you want to see because I know what I'd like to see.
2: Best of six, Islanders in the East. Okay. Okay. And on the West, best of seven. What? Montreal what you
0: despicable yeah. wretch oh, yeah what because tip. you're gonna
2: go with Las Vegas the Las Vegas chips anyways right isn't it the Las Vegas chips <laughs> the Las Vegas the chips. Las Vegas slot machines or
0: the Las Vegas slot no they're just the Vegas Golden Knights there's no Las in the dog. Vegas
2: sorry the Vegas chips the Vegas chips against the Winnipeg Jets <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you know um, You know, the feeder team for the Winnipeg Jets is the Manitoba Moose and I actually have a moose jersey. Dave mentioned that jersey of mine uh, in your podcast last week. Yes. And uh, it's awesome. It Remember. just has an enormous moose head on the front of it. It's absolutely glorious. I got it in Winnipeg from the stadium and uh, I, oh, wonderful jersey. Only it's, not, about it's not glorious. Bucks. It's wonderful. It's not glorious. It's got the Jets patches yeah. on the on the shoulders and the Jets patch, I'm not too bothered about it on the front of the jersey but on that sweater... It looks a million dollars. Yeah, it's great. But it's not as good as Hmm. my Golden Knights jersey. That's the best. I've got the Stanley Cup one from their inaugural season with Fleury on the back. And he played a blinder in their first game against the Canadians the other day. He was absolutely imperious. Man of the match performance, just wonderful stuff. He's recaptured his form. It looks like he's staying in goal all the way through to the end of the Stanley Cup, which of course the Golden Knights are going to win because they're going to sweep the Canadians in four. Um, Yeah, they are. I think your prediction of Islanders in six on the other side is actually really realistic, but I'm hoping it goes to seven and the Islanders do knock them, uh, the the Tampa Bay Lightning off because I want the Islanders to get to the finals because if the if, if Knights lose to the Islanders, that's okay. That's palatable. I like the Islanders as well, but I want them to be knackered by the time they get there. So if Tampa Bay can beat up on them for seven games and uh, lose an, a close one and uh, Vegas sweeps through, can you do a little sweep sound again? Your little brush sound. I like that. Oh, sweepy, sweep, sweep, sweep. There you go. Beautiful. That'll be it. Vegas are getting rid of Canadians. um Sorry to all yeah. those north of the border, but that division's just uh, just not good enough. It's just not good enough, and it will come out in the wash. We'll see. <laughs> oh, we'll see. We will see. Yeah, that's right. So we are gonna step out of the smooth booth now after that quick roundup to see off episode 9.5 and we will be back next week with a quick dip back into our mailbag right it's bursting at the seams once again
2: but until then unplug the fridge and the freezer fridge and freezer out let's go